From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. July 31st, 2022 ends our journey through the Ignatian year. To mark this important moment in the life of the Global Society of Jesus, Father General Arturo Sosa will travel to Loyola, Spain to renew the Jesuits' consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. What is the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and why does a renewed consecration matter? For many of us, this devotion might be little more than a prayer card found in our grandmother's purse. But there's so much more to it, and so much it can add to our spiritual lives. So today, we invited Father Joe Laramie, the Jesuit in charge of the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network in the United States, to join us. Foundational to this ministry is the devotion to the Sacred Heart. Father Joe walks us through what the devotion is, why it matters, and what it can mean for us and our world. Father Joe also provided us with a ton of interesting, really helpful links. You can find them in our show notes. And now, here's Father Joe there. Father Joe Laramie, welcome to AMDG. Good to have you with us. Eric, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. So I, I want to start by talking a little bit about uh, your role. You're the national director of the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network, otherwise known as the Apostleship of Prayer. So tell us a little bit about uh, what that means. What is that? What do you do? And, uh, and what should we know about it? Thank you. It's uh, very fun, exciting. I know the name is a mouthful, and I think of... Uh... Remember the musician Prince late in his career, he like changed his name to that symbol. He's like the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> uh, sometimes the way I say it is we are the apostleship of prayer, which is the Pope's prayer network. Uh, we are a 175 year old Jesuit mission promoting a life of prayer for all people, especially promoting a daily offering of my heart to the sacred heart for the salvation of all hearts. Um, Briefly, this has its roots in France in the 1840s. Uh, a bunch of young Jesuits, okay? And they're excited. They got energy. They want to get out there and make a difference. And if you know anything about Jesuit formation, like they got a long way to go, right? Like these guys were kind of just entering the order. They're looking at, you know, another decade of reading and praying and going through some Thomas Aquinas and so on. And they look around at the world and see, gosh, some of their buddies, uh, young priests, they're out in the missions, you know, in North America, in Africa, in Asia. And they look around at France and see their countries in chaos. Uh, you know, maybe in the U.S. we can feel this way ourselves a little bit. So 1840s, France is still kind of pulling out of the French Revolution, um, which was a time of great change. Um, you know, certainly some reforms that were necessary, but also a lot of violence that was not necessary. You know, I won't give you all the details, but yeah, then Napoleon comes in power for a while. Then they get a Catholic king for a while. Anyhow, these young Jesuits and the larger church is kind of wondering, my gosh, what do we do with France? You know, there's kind of growing secularism. The young people seem uh, sometimes kind of lost or just pursuing every new fad that comes along. Anyhow, these guys go to their superior, say, Father, we want to get out there in the missions like tomorrow. Okay, can't we just skip ahead through some of this formation and uh, make it happen? You know, like all wise superiors, uh, 
This is Father Father Gautrelet says to them, brothers, I hear your desires. Uh, you know, let me pray about this and I'll come back to you. So a couple days later on the feast of St. Francis Xavier. So this is December 3rd, 1844. Um, also this priest, that's his patron. He is Francis Xavier Gautrelet. Gives a famous homily to these guys and says, uh, all right, men, I hear you. You know, you have holy desires. You want to be like the apostles. I commend that for sure. And I call you now to be like the apostles in prayer, to be, in fact, apostles of prayer, that you can support the mission of Christ and the church through your labors, uh, your prayers, your community life now. And then, yes, when the time is right, Christ will send you out on mission, just like the apostles. Well, you know, this kind of sticks, right? So to be apostles of prayer, you know, they're kind of chewing on this, thinking about it. Uh, the Sacred Heart devotion is alive and well in France. Um, 200 years previous, there is St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, who has these visions. Her spiritual director, a Jesuit named uh, now St. Claude Colombier. Anyhow, so these Jesuits just start kind of adding on to their morning prayers, um, a real simple, short offering of their hearts to the Sacred Heart for the salvation of all hearts, uh, with, you know, kind of a special emphasis on those out in the missions. Well, you know, hey, Jesuits talk, right? So they've got lay friends in the villages. They're helping out in some schools and parishes around town. Their lay friends say, hey, this sounds pretty great. You know, is this a Jesuit only thing? And these guys say, no, this is the Sacred Heart is for everybody. And uh, we encourage you to do this yourselves. Okay, a few months later, um, early in 1846, uh, the Pope at that time starts offering indulgences to anyone making this morning offering. Okay, churchy language, right? An indulgence. Okay, it's a special blessing from the church. Okay, I love the Catholic Church. It is beautiful, rich. Frankly, we are not known for our speed, right? Okay, of the many virtues of the Catholic Church, speed, probably not one of them. Okay, in church timelines, this is like rocket speed, okay, that a handful of Jesuits making a little morning prayer. Now the Pope is making a sort of public proclamation to bless this movement. Okay, well, what does he see? The Pope sees, oh my gosh, seminarians praying together, encouraging their lay friends to do the same, offering their hearts to the sacred heart in the heart of the church. Like this is an easy win, right? Let's, let's throw some grace at this. Let's try to promote this thing. <laughs> okay. A little bit later, uh, the next Pope Leo the 13th says, tell you what, every month I'm going to give you a monthly prayer intention and I'm going to guide your prayers. I have a unique role as chief shepherd on earth. I might know of uh, places going through natural disasters, religious persecution, and so on. Well, this kind of fires up the, what could we say, Jesuit organizational machinery. So we see, all right, this is a good thing, right? Let's get the word out. Okay, we're going to need uh, team captains of these little prayer groups, mailing addresses, maybe a donation here and there to cover those <laughs> mailing fees. You know, freedom ain't free and neither is the post office. So in a sense becomes a kind of, friendly, welcoming, kind of catch-all for a lot of wholesome Jesuit activities, uh, retreats, youth groups, um, parish missions. These little groups um, become known as the Apostles of Prayer, later Apostleship of Prayer, um, that are in Jesuit schools, but also non-Jesuit as well. You know, again, let's spread this thing as widely as possible. 
This grows around France, parts of Europe, comes over to the US, and we're part of that great heritage this very day. Nice. That's, that's a, um, I had no idea that came out of the, uh, uh, kind of the French revolution, that, that time in history. And then, and then here today, it's, uh, you know, this great network and opportunity invitation to, uh, to pray and, and pray as a global community, which I think is, is one of the most significant things. What, you know, you've, you've been at this role for, um, one year, two years, two years now, and you just, you've had your chance to really kind of go through a few seasons with it. What do you think um, for you has been most surprising? And, and what do you think has also been most consoling? Mm -hmm. it, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, people ask, what's it like to do this job during COVID? I say, I only know this job during COVID. Um, I started right. in July of 2020. And what is this, the fifth or sixth time that we've all said as a culture, okay, I think we're now past this. We can now return to normal. And then the next super variant comes along. Um, I got a new variant, man. I got a new variant. So yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed, hands folded that uh, we're moving in the right direction. Um, it, I love the Sacred Heart. I went to uh, Sacred Heart Parish as a kid. Um Beautiful image of the Sacred Heart up there. I've lived in a Jesuit community named after the Sacred Heart. You know, talking about this devotion, it it seems brand new to a lot of people. Uh, I'm 44. I'd say by and large, anybody younger than me maybe has heard those two words, Sacred Heart, but like really nothing beyond that. Um, so I sometimes I call us, we're a 175-year-old Jesuit startup because it feels that way sometimes. Um, right. The love of Jesus, right? He has a heart. I have a heart. Uh, he has a risen body. I have a physical body. Um, his love poured out for us. And yeah, we want to touch hearts, right? People talk about making a difference, changing the world. Okay, good things. But, you know, more practically, like, let's touch hearts, right? So young teachers, you're there every day in front of 30 kids, maybe they're in kindergarten, maybe they're uh, seniors in high school. You know, those personal connections, uh, reaching out to people in conversation, in prayer. Um, folks older than me, some have a deep devotion, you know, let's, you know, imagine maybe your grandma pulling a little Sacred Heart prayer card out of her purse, as my grandma did. And, you know, I was struck by that when I was a kid. Um, so I think kind of the newness of this, even how to say, like, maybe this is exactly the right moment for the Sacred Heart, right? So mm. people talk about divisions in society, um, challenges we face in the church. Um, again, just kind of the simplicity of this, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for he himself has told me so. Uh, this image of him offering his heart to us. And that, yeah, every day we can make this little offering of our own, Yes, our hearts, our lives, uh, our prayers and labors. And again, in the church that it's, yes, me and Jesus, but also reaches out to touch, you know, hundreds of hearts, you know, thousands, millions through the labor of Christ through the church, you know, through the many schools and ministries uh, around the world. So, yeah, that's very exciting. And again, kind of the newness, I think, grabs me. Yeah, I 
I like the idea of you're saying kind of touching touching someone's heart because I think you know when we think about you know I'm a I'm a communications guy right and and so we think about how do you uh, you know get a message to stick you want to change you know hearts and minds you know that, that the thing together and, and too often we we stay kind of in the head level like here are the numbers here are the stats and trying to overwhelm people but the idea is how do we tip people um, you know into that that committed action I think that's where the, the head and the heart touch um, you know so then we're we're we're, we're all in for for whatever the thing may be. So, uh, you know, if, if folks are listening and thinking, oh, like this, this sounds cool. Um, but again, you say, as you said, right, sacred heart devotion might be something, um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a little abstract to people. So, so, so let's, let's break it down. What, what is a devotion? When you, when someone says I have a devotion to, what does that, what does that actually mean? What, what are we doing each day or each week or each month? <laughs> right, right. Um, bigger picture, Catholic world, it, it's beautiful. It's rich. There's, you know, it's like a big cathedral, right? There's okay, the big main altar, okay, where we come for mass, for prayer, and there's all these little kind of side chapels, right? So, okay, devotions to Mary throughout the centuries that also take a lot of forms, right? Okay, there's the Rosary, Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, Our Lady of Fatima, different saints. Okay, there's only one Jesus. <laughs> there's one Jesus, and we can honor him in many different ways. Often enough, we're honoring maybe some particular part of his ministry or identity could be Christ the King, Christ the teacher, um, Christ the great high priest. Okay. He's, he's all these things, of course, you know, but a devotion to his heart, you know, in a sense, a devotion kind of just helps me focus on maybe one part of the life of Christ, um, the mission of the church, you know, there's a kind of personal quality to that, right? So, I'm a Jesuit, right? St. Ignatius Loyola. I love him. Talk about him at our schools. Hopefully our students graduate knowing something about this great saint. And I say this in a friendly way. It's it's also optional in a certain sense, right? Somebody could be a faithful, uh, loving Christian and know almost nothing about Ignatius. And that's okay. Like, okay, there's other great saints out there. And yet the Sacred Heart, in a certain sense, is a devotion maybe uniquely uh, drawing all people to Jesus. Again, his heart, you know, even kind of what biologically our hearts are at the center of our bodies. Um, Thus, the heart of Jesus at the center of the life of the church. Again, I have a beating heart, like that kind of daily reminder of, all right, I have a heart. Jesus has a heart. Sometimes my heart feels sad, wounded, frustrated. Uh, I look at the life of Jesus. In fact, in the Gospels, he goes through moments of sorrow, of frustration. If I want to flip over a few tables once in a while, he understands that. You know, If I'm going to do it every single day, maybe I need to bring that into prayer. Like, okay, Lord, maybe <laughs> I need to chill out a little bit. Uh, maybe I need to channel this frustration into something more like, you know, holy action, uh, caring for others, those in need. So this devotion is a way of, you know, even kind of focusing our prayers um, to this kind of heart-to-heart relationship with Christ that is central to this life of faith, but again, kind of compels me to action, right? So Jesus is touching hearts in the Gospels through healing, preaching, teaching, well, in my own ways, maybe I too can share in that labor. 
Yeah. And as you're talking, it makes me, you know, you're almost describing how uh, the sacred heart is a real reminder of, of Jesus fully human, fully divine, right? Mm-hmm. That, that we're, we're um, encountering God uh, who, who is incarnate and comes to us, right? Very intimately. And yet also draws us, uh, you know, beyond, beyond ourselves. And, and, and I think that's, mm-hmm. there's, there's something there to really kind of, again, to meditate with. Um, you, you've hinted a little bit about the history of the Sacred Heart. Um, I wonder if you could kind of give us the elevator pitch real, real fast. So, um, uh, so we know kind of where, you know, where the, the devotion itself has come from. Um, and then we can talk a little bit more about uh, kind of how the Jesuits and the Society of Jesus as an organization has intersected with this, um, with this devotion. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I got a fancy PowerPoint presentation. I don't know. If folks want to email me. Maybe I could pass it along to you. It's, it's called. Like, oh, uh, man, it's an audio audio <laughs> venue. Yeah, no. <laughs> but so I call it uh, 500 years of the Sacred Heart in five minutes. Um, so I'll try to maybe we'll even trim it down to like two minutes for uh, for our purposes here. Um, okay, the big one is certainly uh, France, late 1600s, Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque. Um, she's a French sister. Um, in the order of the visitation. Okay, she's young pious nun, um, going to her daily prayers, and then kind of out of nowhere starts to have these visions of the Sacred Heart, Um, a kind of unusually vivid sense of the love of Christ, uh, seeing his beating heart, um, Jesus speaking to her words of love, also encouraging her to spread this devotion. Okay, like, you know, many of these saints, she is struck by this, uh, finds it very powerful, and is kind of like not quite sure what to do. Um, She's a cloistered nun, you know, she can't get on her Twitter and uh, blast this out to the world. Talks to her superior who says, tell you what, I'm going to have you talk to uh, this nice young Jesuit down the road named Father Claude Colombier. Um, He talks to her very quickly, says, yes, this is authentic. This is consistent with uh, the teachings of scripture and tradition and encourages her to keep a journal. She begins telling some of, uh, her community members about this. Claude also kind of starts keeping a journal, begins having some of his own visions around this. Um, as a Jesuit, he has a little more freedom to, you know, travel in his preaching and teaching begins, uh, spreading this a little more widely. So in a sense, you know, our, our modern devotion of the Sacred Heart is rooted in that experience. Um, let me read you like two lines from uh, Margaret Mary's journal. She writes, I could plainly see his heart pierced and bleeding, and there were flames coming from it. He told me to behold his heart, which so loved humanity. Okay, just those couple lines. Any artwork we see around the Sacred Heart is going to be very much rooted in these visions, okay? It's often a heart on fire, um, a heart that is, yes, wounded, okay? This is the risen Jesus, but he still bears the wounds of the cross, okay, in his hands, feet, and in his heart, and this sense of his great love poured out for us. Okay, let me backtrack a, a century or so, okay? Ignatius Loyola lives... 150 years before this. You know, I like to say that uh, the Holy Spirit kind of tilled the soil of this devotion through Ignatius so that it could bear great fruit um, through St. Claude and St. Margaret Mary. Okay, the writings of Ignatius. We do not see an explicit devotion to the Sacred Heart. 
okay, that's all right. You know, he clearly loves Christ, is uh, laboring for the church. But we do see kind of hints of this, you know, this very much a relational uh, connection with, with Jesus, um, having conversations with him in my prayer, um, at times asking to share in the emotions of Jesus, maybe as I ponder him and his passion, but I ask to feel sorrow as he felt sorrow. Later on in his resurrection, uh, I, I can ask to feel some of the joy that he shares in his resurrection. So, you know, little hints of this. Also, that great prayer of Sushipe of St. Ignatius. That means uh, offering. Okay, so take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, understanding. Okay, it's as if Ignatius is saying, Lord, I offer you my heart. Okay, everything that's most dear to me, um, my, my life, my memory, all that is inside of me. And in a sense, this is a response. Jesus, who gives himself to us in the incarnation, in the Eucharist, and yes, in his sacred heart. This devotion also, we could say, goes back to, oh, let's say the year one. All right. So Jesus truly is the incarnate son of God. His tiny heart starts to beat at first in the womb of the blessed mother. Right. So his little tiny heart as this little child being formed in her womb. Well, that's his sacred heart beating beneath the heart of Mother Mary. Okay, in his birth, we might imagine uh, some of these wise men and shepherds being drawn to him, perhaps even laying a hand over his little beating heart, you know, this uh, tiny newborn child. We see some writings of this in uh, St. John's Gospels, most notably that his heart is pierced as he hangs upon the cross, outpouring blood and water. So there's certainly scriptural references to that, but it, but again, it gets developed more fully uh, later in the church. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, you know, two two things really strike me from um, your reflections. Uh, one is, uh, I, I mean, just to underline what you said about the importance of the of the praying for the sorrow with with Jesus' heart in the exercises. Right, mm -hmm. that's such a key grace that we ask for mm -hmm. when we pray through the exercises is to have this again heart to heart connection. So I think that's. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really that's a really great observation uh, you shared that that even in um, you know in, in Ignatius's own um, personal spirituality we see that desire for for the heart of Christ um, and uh, and I like how you kind of trace it through history there um, the other thing that really strikes me is this conversation uh, between uh, um, Claude Columbier and and, uh, and and Mary Aliquet, right? That that it's 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 in these kind of personal um, you know experiences of prayer, but then this 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 dialogue about what how God is at work, you know, what's God about in this moment? I, I love that, and then it, and then it's spreading out of that kind of the fertile soil of that um, of that conversation. So I, I those are really great. Uh, images and things for I hope people will listening will, will take that and uh, and think on it. I want to I want to um, talk a little bit about uh, the Ignatian year um, mm -hmm. because uh, and that sounds like a hard turn to the left here I think probably for listeners but um, but but uh, Father General Arturo Sosa is is going to uh, reconsecrate right, or, or renew the consecration of the entire Society of Jesus to the Sacred Heart. Um, uh, to close the Ignatian year uh, on, on July 31st, which is the Feast of St. Ignatius. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about like, what does that mean? Why is it important? Um, and when else has it happened in, in the history of the society? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very exciting. Um, he's renewing this devotion um, and this consecration of the Sacred Heart. 
which uh, Father Pedro Arupe did 50 years ago in 1972. And Arupe was renewing um, a previous consecration from the year 1872 by the Jesuit general in that year. On a personal note, also, I can say, like, I heard about this two weeks ago. So sometimes we get these long lead ups in these things and and that's great. Other times it's just like, boom, I'm doing this. Tell the world. And, uh, you know, Eric, me and you are doing our part to get the word <laughs> out there. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're wrapping up this Ignatian year, um, honoring uh 500 years since the conversion of St. Ignatius. Our Jesuit alumni hopefully will know, uh, you know, he gets hit by a cannonball in the knee. You think you've got knee pain, you know, from an old volleyball <laughs> injury. Okay, imagine a cannonball, you know, shattering uh, your leg bones. Falls to the ground, uh, is expected to die, goes back to his family castle. Slowly, powerfully, God begins to work on his heart. Uh, his conversion, gradually drawing St. Ignatius uh, together with St. Francis Xavier and the other young Jesuits, and then what the rest is history, right? Spreading around the world. Also, I believe um, it was 400 years ago in the year 1622, Ignatius was canonized. So, okay, Team Jesuit, we're excited. Uh, it's been a great year of prayer services, <laughs> parties, some fun stickers for your water bottle, all those things we do nowadays. Yeah. And then, yeah, Father General Sosa, I must imagine just through his own prayer, felt drawn to do this to kind of conclude. Um, again, he was kind of calling an audible here. Like it wasn't as if this was planned a year in advance or if it was, nobody told me about it. But I mean, I think it's great. It's exciting to be a part of this. And the Jesuits have been uniquely entrusted with this devotion. Um, somewhat similar to, let's say, the Dominicans and the Rosary. Okay, Dominicans don't own the Rosary. You know, if you're praying a Rosary, you don't have to, like, ask a Dominican for permission. <laughs> and for all my listeners out there, yeah, if, you know, if you don't have my permission, like, what do you do now? You know, the Sacred Heart's for everybody. But Jesuits... I think every time you pray the Rosary, the Dominicans get $5, right? <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> I think that's somewhere in their bylaws. <laughs> um, again, the Sacred Heart devotion, I think, you know, has a unique resonance with Ignatian spirituality. Um, this uh, offering myself into the hands of Jesus, uh, laboring with him in this great mission uh, around the world. Again, that sense of honoring and reflecting on the emotions of Jesus. Um, one more quick word on that. I, I think, too, in these troubled times, um, just that heart-to-heart -heart connection is so crucial, right? So, okay, imagine you're involved in pro-life work right now. Um, certainly have friends who are. Okay, maybe a lot of excitement around the Roe v. Wade overturn, and yet also a sense that, like, okay, gosh, there's um, some abortion clinics are kind of ramping up their PR in some states where it will be legalized. It could be that I feel a lot of anger and frustration there, okay? Let's say somebody else involved in uh, service to the poor, racial justice. There too, you know, we can feel a lot of anger and frustration when we see injustice in the world around us. I think the Sacred Heart devotion helps to kind of tamp down some of that anger and kind of channel that energy into 
compassion, service, labor with Christ. Um, I think in our world today, that's maybe one of the big graces of this devotion. Yeah, and as, as, you're, as you're describing that, it makes me think, you know, again, any sort of heart-to-heart work really requires, um, I think, a vulnerability, like a shedding of our of our armor in some sense, and then a putting ourselves in in the the, the shoes of other people, right? And, and saying, oh, I, I wonder, you know, if this makes me angry, I wonder why this makes this other person happy or vice versa, right? And mm-hmm. I'm trying to really understand, uh, you know, where, you know, again, that, that vulnerable heart-to-heart connection, you know, how, how can I, you know, Deep, more deeply understand how God is at work in in this person in front of me because certainly God's at work in all of us, right? So, I think that's mm-hmm. a again, it's a real that's, that's a great I think grace to pray for as we as we think about and and, and deepen our engagement with the the Sacred Heart. Um, I wonder, you know, I, I know you do a lot of retreats in your in your ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you do a lot of retreats with uh, with young people, uh, maybe old people too. I I don't know, maybe the whole the whole gamut of folks. Um, but I wonder, as you're talking to um, particularly young people, mm-hmm. what h- how do you describe the Sacred Heart devotion? What what about mm-hmm. it do you think is appealing uh, to that you know particular time in life? Um, and maybe what what are where are their obstacles? Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, I get. Uh travel around and talk to all kinds of folks. Uh, I've done retreats for priests and seminarians, for campus ministers, um, for young adults. I'm doing one in Milwaukee in just a couple days for a a group of young adults here. Um, Again, I think that that personal connection is so essential and just really attractive right now. Um, Okay, again, kind of two years of off and on COVID lockdown, right? a lot of isolation. Um, sometimes that we're communicating through computer screens when we wish we could be in person. Um, the heart of Jesus is with us all the time, right? Uh, he has a risen body. He can pass through uh, locked doors, as we see in the Gospels. So I can be drawn to him in prayer, uh, unite my heart with his heart in my prayer, and through him, yes, to be in communion with hundreds, millions around the world uh, in, in prayer and service. You know, I think that personal connection, that sense of communion is important. Also healing. I think that's another kind of key part of that devotion nowadays. Um, okay, we see Jesus healing people in the Gospels, forgiving their sins also. You know, also there's a kind of heart healing that we need that, Eric, as you said, so so nicely requires vulnerability, right? So if I have a wounded heart um, through things I've been through, even maybe things I've been responsible for, but I'm still hurting over those, it requires a lot of trust, right, to present my heart to Christ. Um, Imagine going to a heart doctor and he says, okay, I think I can heal you. but if I say, okay, I just, you know, I don't want you to actually touch me in any way. I want you to just kind of do this, you know, with lasers or something. And he says, well, no, I got to get in there. Like, I need to touch you if I'm going to heal you. You know, I think there too, there's a kind of resonance, like a both attraction and a little fear. But if we kind of place our trust in him, I think that fear can melt away a bit to sense, okay, Christ is with me, um, has a mission for me. Again, I'm not just doing this solo, but with him and with his friends uh, in the life of the church. 
you know, some things to push through can be what some really sappy notions of the heart, like, okay, heart emojis, clicking Instagram. I like that cat video. You're going to click a little heart. So it can become kind of trite and superficial, but I, I think there's a deeper sense of that heart that is uh, meaningful, fleshy, and powerful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really a good caution is, is that sometimes it becomes too trite of a symbol. And actually, it's uh, it's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. um, let's, last question. I know you have a, a book coming out, I think, in September. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think it's going to talk on some, touch on some of these themes, right? Mm -hmm. So for folks that are, are listening and saying, boy, I'd, I'd really like to, to go deeper with this devotion or, or maybe even just kind of learn more in general. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me about what can readers expect from your book? What's, what's it called? Mm -hmm. When's it available? And, um, and yeah, what, what, what might a reader uh, you know, walk away with? Thank you. Yeah, this is a, a sequel to my first book, um, both of which you know, I think really try to draw on some of these Ignatian themes, but center them in the sacred heart. Um, so the first book came out just before the pandemic. It's called Abide in the Heart of Christ, a 10-day retreat with St. Ignatius Loyola. Um, the new one is called Love Him Evermore, a nine-day retreat with the sacred heart based on the spiritual exercises. For those in kind of the Jesuit uh, ecosystem, more or less, the first book is on the first week of the spiritual exercises. Second book on the second week. Uh, this is out of Ave Maria. So you got you got four coming. Well, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's Ave Maria Press at Notre Dame. Um, yeah, we'll see if there's a three and four. But I, you know, I never really thought I'd write one book, much less two. Um, but you know, it's it's been fun for me to just pray about these things. It's also draws on, you know, retreat talks that I've given. That's often enough kind of the rough draft of these books uh, and the chapters is, you know, talks that I've given on this topic. Um, yeah. In the second book, I try to walk readers through, you know, a little bit of the scriptural roots of this devotion, some of the saints, um, Margaret Mary in particular, St. Therese of Lisieux had a great devotion to the Sacred Heart and, in fact, was a card-carrying member of the Apostleship of Prayer in France when she was a teenager. Wow. Um, so the Jesuits got her $5. <laughs> we have her card on file uh, in our Rome office, and I have a little photocopy of it in my room. And, cool. you know, in both books, my hope is to structure this as a retreat. So you're not just reading and thinking about these things, but... Hopefully I'm drawing folks into a spirit of prayer. I give them a little maybe contemplation from the writings of St. Ignatius to, in a sense, like, don't take my word for it. Like, okay, you talk to Jesus about this. Um, see what he says to you as you look at your own heart, as you look at broken hearts in the world around you. Um, what's his call? What does he want to do for you? Um, again, fruitful for me. I think folks on retreat have a, found it a grace. And I hope that, uh, in book form, it'll do the same. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, where you end there with that idea of, uh, at the end of the day, like you bring it to Jesus, right? If, if it's, it's your, and that's, and then again, that's, that's foundational Ignatian spirituality, right? How do we get out of the way of, of God and God's creation so that, uh, you know, we can communicate. And I think, again, that, that goes right to this heart to heart, um, uh, spirituality. So father Joe, thank you so much for joining us on AMDG. We hope you come back. 
Eric, thanks for all you're doing, brother. And uh, hey, everybody, happy feast. And uh, hope you can join in that consecration on July 31st. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C., and occasionally in my basement. This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Mike Jordan Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Beggy Sindelar, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get weekly email reflections by visiting Jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocations promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.